At some point in the near future, we'll stop debating who's better, Jameis Winston or Andy Dalton, because frankly, it won't matter. But for now, that's what we're stuck with. In the meantime, we're also going to talk about St. Steelers, LSU, Arkansas, Tulane, UCF, and a little tinge of the Pelicans. And if that's what you came to listen for, well, you're in luck. Because we're going to talk about all that and more with Jeff Duncan, as we do every Friday, coming up on Datitude. If you're looking for the latest scoop and in-depth interviews on the Saints, the NFL, the Pelicans, LSU, along with the best bets of the week, then lucky you. Along with high-powered, in-the-know guests who cover our teams, Jim Derry brings plenty of datitude. And he'll always tell you the way it is, or at least the way he thinks it is. Where you at, New Orleans? And hello to all my friends who just won't let it go. Dalton versus Winston. I'm ready to just say, who gives a damn? But I won't, because you came here to listen to the show, and so we'll talk about it some more. Here on Datitude, episode number 115, for a Friday, November the 11th, 2022. 11, 11, 22. 11 plus 11 is 22. See how quick I did that with my Shaw math? I am Jim Derry, sports betting writer at the Times Speaking, the advocate at bet.nola.com. And, and it just won't go away. I thought, I thought by talking about it as much as I did on Tuesday and letting my feelings be known and the nice emails I got from readers, listeners. I keep calling them readers. I'm, so, I'm a sports writer, and I'll always be. No matter what broadcast I do, I'll always be a sports writer at heart, so I call them readers. But uh, I, I tell Dunk later on, and we have... A heated discussion coming up in our weekly segment with Jeff Duncan. Not Duncan and I necessarily, although he does get involved a little bit. But the listeners on our live show, as we do every Friday morning, 9.15 on all your NOLA.com and bet.nola.com social media stations. We get into it again. I, I didn't intend to really talk about it. In fact, I think I said like after the first question about it, I'm not talking about this all day. And then we talked about it for 15 or 20 minutes. I don't know. But Andy, if you don't understand where I'm coming from, okay, if you don't agree with me, fine. Tell me you don't agree with me. But don't be ignorant and, and just disregard my reasoning for Jameis Winston over Andy Dalton. It's, it's truly bothersome at a point. If you don't agree with me, fine. And in short, my point is, you, I mean, I don't know how many times I have to say it. I'm about to bang my head into a concrete wall because that's what I think people do. If you want to see the same old crap over and over again and you want to see 6 and 11, then by all means, keep watching Andy Dalton do what Andy Dalton does. 6 and 11, you deserve it. You do. You deserve 6 and 11. If you want Andy Dalton as the quarter, and now here's my new thing. Excuse me, this morning. And it's really been all week. All the Andy Dalton lovers, you know what they're saying now? Now they're saying, well, it just doesn't matter who the quarterback is. Well, you didn't think that a week ago. A week ago, it definitely mattered. Andy Dalton had to be the quarterback. He's way better. Now that he sucked last week 
And it sucked more than just last week, by the way. Now, it, it doesn't matter who the quarterback. They both stink. Neither are the quarterbacks of the future on this roster. Well, probably. You're probably right about that. But how do you know? How in the hell could you possibly know from the short sample size you got from Jameis Winston? You don't know. And you're never going to know. To quote Jim Mora, you think you know, but you don't and you never will unless you see it. At this point, what in the hell does this team have to lose? How many different ways can you say the same thing? It's really, it's truly mind-boggling. I'm not going to spend a whole ton of time on my monologue this morning because, again, Duncan and I went on for over an hour today. Uh, all, in fact, I, I think this might, be, might have been our best live show yet. Um, we touched on pretty much everything I wanted to touch on, including, again, like I said in the open, LSU, Arkansas. Uh, we talked a little bit about Tulane UCF tomorrow at Yulman Stadium. And we talk about the Pelicans, and frankly, they're not playing very well either. So we get to all that. There's other things towards the end of the show, but the first 40 minutes or so is St. Steelers, and probably the first 20 minutes of that is Dalton Winston. And uh, it's just so interesting to see readers' comments and listeners' comments. And maybe you're one of those people who think that. Again, we're going to disagree. I, in, I, I invite disagreements. I don't have to agree with you. In fact, there are many times I don't agree with someone and say, okay, well, you, you made your point. I don't agree with you, but it's a solid point. There is no solid point if you're taking the side of Andy Dalton at this point. There, there, you can't convince me there's any side to convince me that Andy Dalton is the I'd rather you say I want Taysom Hill as quarterback, which isn't going to happen, by the way. They've, they've tied themselves into Taysom Hill being a tight end or whatever. Swiss Army Knight, whatever the hell he is, at least for the rest of this year. Now, they may say in the offseason, we don't have any choice. Taysom Hill's got to be the quarterback. I don't think that's going to happen, but it could. But Taysom Hill's no spring chicken either. He's 32 years old. Andy Dalton's 35 years old. It would not shock me in the least if Andy Dalton retired after the season was over. Not in the least. He's going to be a free agent when the season's over. And if he's on this roster next year, it better be as a backup. I mean, Duncan and I talk about where the Saints are with Winston. And another reason why I think I, we don't agree, Dun, Duncan and I, to give you a little preview, we don't agree on this, but I think the Saints are stuck with Winston. His salary next year is $14 million, and they're going to have to eat a big chunk of that if they cut him. I mean, they're not going to be able to trade him, so that's, that's not even an option. I think they're stuck with Winston on this roster next year. You certainly don't want a $14 million backup. And if you stink bad enough, there's another reason why you should be rooting for Winston if you think he sucks. If they stink bad enough, they'll get a higher draft pick. There you go. Because 6 and 11 is going to get you to like 8 or 10. Big deal. Bryce Young will be long gone. Whoever else, long gone. It's, it's, it's a debate we can continue to have for the rest of the season, if you want, it doesn't change the fact that these Saints are in a bad way, not for just this year. In fact, their best chance, I would argue that their best chance to win over the course of the next few years is this year. Even at three and six, because it's not going to get any better. Their cap, they are, you think they've been in cap hell the last few years? Next year is worse. They're in cap 
Hades, hell, whatever you want to call it next year. Lattimore and Mike Thomas alone, north of $60 million for two guys. Well, neither one of them. Can you count on a play at all? I mean, look, I don't want to be down on Lattimore because he's missed a few weeks ago, you know, four weeks actually, going to be at five. And I got to be frank, I don't think we're going to see Marshawn Lattimore again this season. I, I just don't. From what I'm hearing through the grapevine, that he's got his abdomen injury. It involves his kidney. And I, I got to be honest, you're not going to take a chance with that. Nor should they. So I'm not getting on Lattimore. But the little turf toe thingy from the other dude, that's a whole different story. Don't get me started on that. Uh, that's, and you're stuck with him too. So it's a lot of... Guys, I think this team is stuck with. Fire Loomis. Fire Dennis Allen. That's not going to accomplish anything. And it's frankly, at least Mickey Loomis part of it is just dumb. You're not going to fire. First of all, Gail Benson is never going to fire Mickey Loomis. Mickey Loomis might retire soon if he wants to or take a different role. But Mickey Loomis, firing Mickey Loomis is asinine. I mean, he's a fantastic general manager. What is he supposed to do with, with what he's got right now? Sure, some of it is the mess that he put himself into. But you know what? An offseason of trying to figure out who the coach is going to be after 16 years of, in my mind, a one-day Hall of Fame coach. I mean, it's borderline, but I think he's in the Hall of Fame. I think he's going to be in the Hall of Fame one day. And you, you, you unexpectedly have to replace him. And that's tough to do. And then figure out with it. I mean, look, I'm not making excuses for this team. They should be better. They're not. They've had injuries at the wazoo. That hasn't helped either. Their quarterback play, frankly, has been downright awful. But it goes with missing a Hall of Famer. It's never going to be fun after you lose a Hall of Famer. Just... But some teams can do it, and some teams can't. Let's get on to this week's talk. I'll wrap it up with um, some more talk on St. Steelers, but that's pretty much that's where I wanted to go. It just takes a while to get there, and St. Steelers, why I think this, this is a better matchup. It's, well, it's clearly a better matchup than last week. I get into the whole double whammy thing of the Ravens just, they're not, the Saints can play the Ravens 10 times, and they might not win one of them. They just don't match up well. You, the Saints, if they play a team with an elite Russian defense, they're going to lose. If they play a team with a really good running quarterback, they're probably going to lose that too. And the fact that you had both of them, that was a no-win situation, and I'm really pissed off at myself that I didn't uh, – I let the Sharps' bad analysis get me to stay off the game, and I should have bet on the Ravens big, and I didn't. I should have had it as a best bet last week. Didn't. Um, but, hey – I learned a lesson. Go with your own analysis. Who cares what anybody else thinks? And that's what I'm going to do. So let's get into St. Steelers. Let's get into Dalton Winston again. And let's talk about uh, our local college teams and a little bit of the Pelicans with Jeff Duncan. Dunk, how are you this morning? I'm doing great, man. Beautiful day. Uh, great weekend ahead. I'm excited. Yeah. You're excited about the St. Steelers, though. That's the question. <laughs> I don't know about that, although it, it is kind of two franchises that we're used to 
seeing a lot of success from that both are struggling. So it is uh, normally this would be a high profile game and it feels like it's totally being overlooked on the NFL schedule. For sure. It's a little weird, actually, uh, the the fact that it isn't. Yeah. You know, it's been such a weird year. Um, It's it it feels like just the the season slipping away and yet the Saints are only a game back and the Falcons Falcons lose last night to Carolina and just a weird game in the rain and the Saints yet, you know, if Tampa Bay loses to the Seahawks, which is entirely possible, Tampa Bay is a three and a, a three point favorite. I think uh, the Saints are favored this week. The Saints could theoretically be in a tie for first place, but it just doesn't feel like that. No, they'd be four and six and tied for first. That's, that's the testament to how bad the NFC South is. And to me, it's masked some of the real issues in the organization because, uh, you know, and with this team, because everyone's still thinking, oh, wow, the Saints have a shot. And it's true, but I think anybody that looks at this objectively, J.D., if you're a smart fan, which we, we have a lot of smart Saints fans out there. I mean, Saints have a very intelligent fan base, and they know that it, there's not a lot of hope for the future. That's really the problem. And along with that, We've seen when the Saints kind of step up in class like they did on Monday night, they're really not competitive. Right. So even if they somehow, uh, you know, finagle their way into the playoffs uh, and, and it could happen like a, like the Seahawks did in 2010, I know they won that game, uh, Seattle did with the Beast Mode game, it just doesn't hearken much uh, hope for the Saints' prospects in, in, even if they get in the playoffs because these elite teams – just feel like they're on another level right now. We're going to get to matchups in a minute, but I will say this. Um, as far as the Saints go, look, I I predicted the Saints to lose last week for a reason. The only reason why I wasn't a little bit stronger on it and wasn't more emphatic is because the Sharps all had the Saints Monday night. And so it kind of kind of got me to back off a little bit of what I was thinking, and I wish I wouldn't have because when it comes down to it, to me, the Saints just don't fare well against – good running defenses because it puts all the pressure on the quarterback in that position in that spot. And look, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go on and on and on. I've been saying it for weeks. I think anyone who's watched this show more than once or twice or listened more than once or twice knows how I feel about Andy Dalton. And I, I don't, I think it's the wrong choice to have him in there. I said a couple of weeks ago, it's a, it's the kind of decision that gets you fired. And, but that being said, when they play a team where Alvin Kamara and Taysom Hill can get loose a little bit, it takes a lot of pressure off of Andy Dalton. And the Steelers, frankly, are just an average against the run, and they're terrible against the pass. So I think that this is actually a week where Andy Dalton can do a little bit better. We're going to get into Again, we're going to get into that in a moment. Mark Satanovich uh, says Taysom Hill is 8-2 and two as an NFL starting quarterback, yet everyone says he ain't a QB. And Winston and Dalton are right now question mark. I know, Mark, from, from your past comments, you – really don't like Jameis Winston, and I get it. And so now it's funny. This here's one of the things, too, don't that bothers me. All the people who were rah, 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 rying for Andy Dalton are now saying neither one of them are any good. But my point is we don't know what we're going to get with Jameis because we haven't seen him enough. Yeah, I think the quarterback, the quarterback call right now to me is almost irrelevant because I don't think the guy is there regardless of who they go with. I, I think what we saw Monday night was when it's kind of what you said, Jim, when the running game isn't there to protect Dalton, when the offensive line isn't perfect, 
you really see his limitations. He really is unable to make plays on his own off right. schedule. And, and Sean Payton used to always say this. It's, we live in an imperfect world in the NFL. Things aren't always going to be perfect. They weren't perfect for Lamar Jackson. How many times did the Saints have pressure on him, get in the backfield, and couldn't get to him, and he'd get out, either run or make a pay or get rid of the ball? Uh, we saw Drew Brees do that for years. Sometimes he wouldn't necessarily complete a pass. He'd just get rid of the ball and avoid the negative play. Andy Dalton can't do that. So unless the running game is there, unless the pass protection is pretty flawless, uh, it's it's pretty bleak well, for, for the Saints to move the ball. Monday was a double whammy. Uh, not just, like I said, if the Saints are playing an elite run, run, rushing defense, which is what the Ravens are, especially now they got Roquan Smith. That's what they are. They're an elite rushing defense, and they're almost an elite defense, period. As bad as they were in the beginning of the season, I think they're getting to the point where they're an elite defense. So it was a double whammy in the fact that it was a terrible matchup, our offense against their defense, and then it was a bad matchup on the other end because the Saints don't fare well against running quarterbacks. So it's hard to take a lot out of, you know, and I know that the Sharps are all over the Steelers now, but they hold grudges. Sharps hold grudges. They lose big against the team. The next week they want to bet against them just because people are taking too much on what happened the week before. It was the same last week. The reason why a lot of t- people were high on the Saints because of what they did to the, to the Raiders. It's, it's about matchups, and this is a much better matchup. And I know T.J. Watt may come back this week. If he does, great. But I, I don't think anyone can expect them to be 100%, and that is not going to change the fact that the Steelers aren't very good defensively. They just aren't. They aren't good in the, in the defensive backfield. They aren't good along the line except for T.J. Watt. Their linebackers are just average. And so, I don't. I mean, it's just it, this is a more favorable matchup, and we'll get to our predictions later on. Uh, but, you know, we keep talking about quarterback, and, and I don't know that I agree with the fact that we don't know. I mean, you know, Barry says the Saints 2023 quarterback is not curling on this, the 2022 roster. Here's why I disagree with that. Jameis Winston's cap figure next year is $14.5 million. I don't, the Saints don't have money. They're going to be forced. They're going to be stuck with Jameis Winston, or they're going to have to draft someone and – where they're going to draft, I don't know. I mean, they could draft in the top 10 possibly and maybe get a quarterback that they could use, but I disagree with that. I think they're stuck with Jameis Winston, which no, is even – I don't agree. No, I, I think I think they'll move on from those guys. I really they're just going to cut them and eat that money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they have an out this how. year. They have an out. I mean, they actually will pay more if he's on the roster than if he's off. So, I thought his dead cap space was was pretty high, if I, if I remember correctly. I don't, right, it's not $14 right. million. He's got a $12.5 million base salary, I think, next year. They're not going to pay that. I think I mean, it's I, I, I wish I called this up. I had it up last week. I, I get where you're coming from, but I believe his dead cap money was somewhere along the lines of $10 million. Yeah, and I think they'll eat it, and I think they'll move on. So, you know, and I think – if there's anybody that they keep, it might be Dalton because he's cheap. But there's a reason he's been not on, he's Dalton. on his fourth team in four years. Uh, yeah, so I kind of I would kind of agree that they might go in the quarterback market in the offseason with a backup plan to keep one of these guys. I'm not saying it's impossible to keep Jameis, but JD, if, if they were going with Jameis next year, they'd have him in the lineup this year. I don't know why it's going to change because I think it's DA that's making this, this DA and Pete Carmichael. And I got to be honest. I don't think either one of those guys is going to be around. I certainly don't think Pete Carmichael's going to be around next year. They might keep – I know Mickey's loyal to a fault, so D.A. has a chance. But if they go – if they lose this game 
on Sunday, they're they they're probably going to go four or five win. It's going to be a four or five win season. And Barry, to your point, I can't be serious. Then you haven't paid attention to what I, I'm dead serious. And we, I mean, I don't know how many times to say the same thing over again. It's like banging your head against the wall. And if you want to keep watching Andy Dalton, where he one week he's okay, the next week he stinks. One week he's okay, the next week he's worse. I, you keep watching that. I, we know what we we have with Andy Dalton. It's a six win team with Andy Dalton. Jameis Winston, it might be a six-win team. It might be an eight-win team. It might be – you don't know. No one knows. He played the first couple weeks injured. No one knows what we have is my entire point. You keep talking about records, and Taysom Hill was eight and two. Well, Jameis Winston went five and two as, as a starter last year. You don't know what you have. And it, it, it's just – it bothers me that, we're, that people are stubborn to a fault. If you want to go six and 11, sure, keep him in there. But that's what's going to happen. They're going to go six and eleven with Andy Dalton in there, and I don't—I mean, I don't know how else to, to say it. Well, and I think any past records, whether you're talking about Taysom or Jameis, insignificant, are skewed because I agree. they're irrelevant because Sean Payton was the head coach then, and agree wholeheartedly. So that—that that, to me, you throw it out the window what he was because uh, clearly Sean Payton is a Hall of Fame coach, and right now Dennis Allen is kind of still uh, learning on the job. And, uh, you know, and th- this is the other thing I would say about this week's game, and I know we'll get into some more in-depth talk about it, but the Saints are really banged up. I mean, I, right. I mean really banged up. I, I don't know if I'm as optimistic as you are because, uh, you know, if they continue to have these problems along the offensive line, which it looks like they are, uh, with McCoy being out, I mean, these are major issues for them up front. And I don't know if they're going to have any more luck moving the ball, even against a bad Steelers defense, if T.J. Watt comes back. And uh, I don't know. I'm not as optimistic. We'll get to that, our predictions later on. And you're more than welcome to, to chime in with your predictions as well. And you're more than welcome to tell me I'm wrong. I'm going to get to something in just a minute. Lindsay wants to know who has thrown the most interceptions. And I assume she means this year. The answer is they're equal. They've both thrown five interceptions. And f- at least three of James's interceptions came in, in a time when it was kind of panic mode and he was forcing things to make things happen. You know, Barry, here's another comment. We let Winston play to prove he's terrible. How do you know? How do you know he's terrible? He's terrible because you want to think he's terrible. You hate this. This is what you hate. You hate eat the dub. It, it bothers me. There's a bias out there. There's no doubt there's a bias. I'm not going to go into it. If you're not smart enough to figure out what the bias is, then you probably shouldn't be watching this show. Because I mean, you talk about smart Saints fans. It's bothering me. It is truly bothering me. The same people who don't like Jameis Winston are all the same ilk. And now it's like they both stink. So they both stink. That's fine. You can't, you can't use Taysom Hill as a quarterback at this point because you've already decided he's a tight end. But, but let's not be stubborn about it. And I think, to be honest, Dennis Allen's being stubborn. Andy Dalton is not going to be the quarterback of this team next year. Maybe Jameis Winston is not. It, but we don't know is my point. Well, my my point about Jameis Winston that I I mentioned a few weeks ago when I wrote my column, I think played out in that game against Baltimore where you could see the limitations in Dalton. I mean, it wasn't just in – and I know people say, well, he wasn't getting protection and he wasn't getting a lot of help. Well, that's the thing. You don't a lot of times, and you have to be able to overcome that, and he really has no ability to do that. Everything has to be on schedule and perfect for him. He's really incapable. And you see also, J.D., the way the Saints coach with him. I mean, they're very cautious. 
Everything is is conservative. They're almost playing not right. to lose. I agree. And you can't win that way against a team like Baltimore. And the one thing that Jameis gives you is a puncher's chance at a big play. There was no chance the Saints were going to make a big play against the Ravens. I know None. they got one late on a fluke play to Jawan Johnson. But at least Jameis Winston gives you that spark. I mean, 100%. he can maybe make a make a play. There was no hope with Andy Dalton. That's my only that's my point about Jameis Winston. He gives you a puncher's chance. You don't have it with Dalton. No, and and look, Andy Dalton at one time he, he was a much I don't want to say much. He was a better than average quarterback for much of his career. Correct. But he is now 35 years old. It's not people think of Tom Brady where you play till you're 30, you're 45. That's a freak of nature. Even Drew Brees. I mean, we saw the arm strength go down, and at 41, he couldn't throw the ball like he used to. So, really, Drew Brees, until he was 39, also a freak of nature. Well, look at what's happening with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I know they, the Packers have their issues, but I think he's 36 or 37. He's, he's dropping off. He's dropping. It's, it's clear. Quarterbacks, when they get – just even the elite quarterbacks start dropping off when they get to – look at Russell Wilson. I mean, it's just a fact of nature. And Andy Dalton – I think he's done. I mean, I think I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he retires after this season. He's going to be a free agent. He can sign on somewhere, but I don't, I don't know. I think it's clear right now the Saints are trying to make a living with two guys that probably are backup quarterbacks at this stage of their careers. And that's just, you know, they can, they're still good enough against bad teams because the Saints have enough talent around them to where they can beat a Raiders team and beat a, a Falcons and a Panthers. But that when they step up in class as they did Monday night, it gets exposed. Agreed. Uh, that that discrepancy between the Baltimore Ravens and the and the Saints was glaring, and that's what why. And I've talked to our colleague Fletcher Mackle a lot about this because I was kind of on the Kenny Pickett train last year. I know the Saints like Kenny Pickett, and you could make an argument that they would have taken Kenny Pickett with the twentieth pick, not Trevor Penning. That you feel a lot better about the future because. He's cheap. I mean, I'm saying cheap. Any rookie quarterback is cheap. You've got salary cap issues going forward. <clears throat> At least if you're going to lose, you lose with a rookie taking your lumps with hope for the future. Right now, I don't see any hope at all. If they were going to make the moves they made to go get two first-round draft picks, I think you could make an argument they could have used one on a quarterback considering uh, where they're at salary cap-wise and lack of assets-wise. They chose instead – to go and try and win now. I think, one, they overestimated the talent on the roster, and, two, they didn't foresee all these injuries, which they couldn't have. Uh, but that's where we're at right now, and it, it it's pretty grim. I couldn't agree more. I think Kenny Pickett is the next coming of Justin Herbert. I, 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 he's going to be good. I think he's going to be one of those kinds of quarterbacks. I think, and I agree, the Saints missed out. I don't understand – as much as they needed a left tackle, don't get me wrong, I think Trevor Penning's going to be in this league for a long time if he can yes, stay healthy. Me too. Uh, but they needed a quarterback more than they needed that. And, and you, were, you knew you weren't tied to James Winston. You signed him to a two-year deal, but that doesn't mean you're tied to him. It would have been the perfect opportunity to bring in Kenny Pickett. He would have fit this team perfectly, um, and you missed your opportunity. So, I mean, you may have another shot this, this year, but – the, the, the top-notch guys, I mean, Bryce Young's going to go in the top one, two, or three. I mean, I think we know that. I mean, so, you know, who else are we looking at? I, I just it's, it's one of those seasons where it's, it's just a weird year, and we don't know where the Saints are going to draft yet. Um, 
you know, going well, back look, to Dort. If Kenny Pickett beats the Saints on Sunday and has a good game, man, J.D.? I mean, yeah, it's going to hurt even more than that. Uh, go back to Jim Scott. Fire Loomis. Mickey Loomis isn't going to fire. He may, he may retire, and which is going to happen before too long. I mean, I don't think Mickey Loomis wants to stick around all that much longer. I think Dunk, you might agree. Right. I don't. He's more. No, nobody's firing Mickey Lewis. Nobody. No, but I mean, he's out. This Allen isn't getting fired. No, but I mean, what I'm saying is Mickey may may retire before too long. Well, yeah, he, he may or he may move into another role, kind of advisory role, and let Jeff Ireland be the general manager or something. Right. Like that could happen, but that's not going to be on his terms, only on his terms. I agree one hundred percent. Gail Benson loves Mickey Lewis. I, loves I, him. And, and I don't I don't endorse – let's get this straight right here. In case anyone from the Saints is watching, I'm not just saying this because if the Saints are watching, I'll, I'll say whatever I think. I've been doing it for this entire year. Mickey Lomas is a fantastic general manager, and by no means, you know, I, look look what the Saints Saints team has been dealt. You know, you signed Michael Thomas that long term contract. I, I was never for signing a receiver or really almost anybody, unless it's a franchise quarterback like Drew Brees, to that long of a, con- a five year contract for a hundred million dollars, and it kills you if something happens. Well, something happens, and now it's kind of. I think that's the elephant in the room. That's that's the thing that's really hurting this team is they're so strapped because of Mike Thomas. I'm not going to that whole debate today. I don't I don't feel like it. Um, but you know you're stuck with that. And now next year, we don't know how bad Marshawn Lattimore is hurt. And next year you're talking about a 60 million dollar salary cap hit between those two guys. So I agree. To some point, you talked about you don't think quarterback is the main issue of this team. And that's right to a point, but if they were playing, if the defense didn't have to be on the field so damn much, I think that they'd be playing a lot better. I heard it was, it was, I was like yelling at my radio coming back home from the game Monday night. Bobby Abear's talking about how, how terrible the defense played. I mean, was he watching the game? They were on the field for two thirds of the game, 38 minutes well, of yeah. the game. They're on the field. How, how can you, you can't chase around Lamar Jackson for 38 minutes and look, look good. Well, you got to make a play on third down to get off the field yourself, and they couldn't do it. So I understand it was a little both. I mean, there were a couple, a couple of third downs, Jim, where clearly the Saints couldn't get lined up. They were miscommunications. There were guys no wide open, and that was something that the Ravens did to them. I mean, if you listen to the broadcast, Troy Aikman said that Greg Roman said during the week he felt like with some late movement and motion that he could confuse the Saints' defense. That's something they saw on film, and it worked to a T because there were guys not lined up. At one point, Pete Werner hesitated just a half-split second, and it left a guy wide open in the flat. He couldn't get over. And those those things matter. You converts a third down. You're back on the field with Lamar Jackson, a guy's like capable of going the distance on any play. you got to get off the field. So it, it was a combination of things, and the defense – largely in the front seven has been pretty healthy and they just, they didn't come and, and they couldn't get him on the ground. I know he's an incredible player, but at some point you got to get the guy on the ground and they couldn't do it. So uh, it was a combination of factors. And I think your point about Marshawn Lattimore though, it is becoming an issue because when he's not on the field, it creates a domino effect. And all of a sudden you got Alante Taylor and Paulson Adebo playing against guys that they're probably not quite ready to go against. And the Ravens took advantage of it. There's no question. And this is the this is the last comment I'm going to take on the quarterback situation because I'm moving on. I mean, I, 
I got. I hate to be so fired up about it, but I think there's just. I don't want to, the word ignorance isn't right because I don't want to piss people off. But there there is a bias back there. There are people that will not see the forest through the trees and don't understand what the reasoning I've been trying to tell you is. It's not about Jameis Winston versus Andy Dalton. If they are exactly equal, okay, if they're the same, they're going to give you the same going forward. It makes zero sense, zero sense to start Andy Dalton because of what I've told you. We don't. You can say whatever you want. I've seen Jameis. You haven't seen Jameis Winston enough with this team. You, you're thinking about the 30 interception season with Tampa Bay. A lot of things have changed since then. He had LASIK surgery. He led this team to five victories. Again, that was with Sean Payton. Understand that. But we don't know, period. You can say you know that Dalton's better or it doesn't matter who's better. It does matter. It, it, it does matter. And this is the last comment I'm going to take on this. Winston is the more athletic of the two. However, he does not protect the ball. How do you know? You haven't seen it enough. They've both thrown five interceptions. Dalton will have to do. No, Dalton doesn't have to do. And Joe is a good friend of mine, by the way, and, and I appreciate the comment. I just simply don't agree with you. But we're going to move on, Dunk, because I want to talk about something else, and I want to talk about the matchup itself in this week, what we have. And we look, and the Saints are a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Again, this opened up at two-and-a-half. Um, and, you know, I, I find it interesting that people are the Sharps, again, they're a fickle bunch. I know they're not supposed to go off of what they saw last week, but I, and, and I know you think the Steelers, we're going we're gonna to get to our predictions again at the end of the show. So I, I think you, if you watch the entire show, you know where Dunk's going, you know where I'm going. But the line's about where it's supposed to be. If anything else, I think the Saints should be a little bit more favored. I just think whether, whether you agree on whether the Saints are going to win or not, I think the Saints, if you look at the numbers, they should be more favored. Well, they do. They do play well on the road, and uh, it's going to be cold. I mean, cold by our standards. It's going to be like in the 30s, low yeah. 40s. Uh, I don't think that would favor Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh's got a lot of issues themselves, and I think that's right. why that's where hope, you know, should should reign for the Saints. I mean, they're talking about replacing Najee Harris. He was their rookie, you know, all pro, I mean, a pro bowler last year's rookie. And now they're talking about him getting benched for Jalen Warren. Uh, they've got issues. You, you mentioned the offensive line. They have a terrible offensive line. I don't know how they thought they were going to go into this season with that line and survive with a rookie quarterback. They're not giving Kenny Pickett any help. They've traded away Claypool to the uh, Bears. You know, That's the story. It, yeah, they're, they're basically – I understand what they're doing organizationally. I have – Great respect for the Steelers. I mean, we have a New Orleanian running the show there now. Omar Khan went to Tulane, a local kid from Rummel. And, and look, they're, they're going to end up being good. Uh, but they are taking it on the chin this year. And so I think there's hope that they've got more issues than the Saints do right now. But I'm just – when I saw the injury report yesterday, man, it gave me a lot, a lot of pause to a lot of key guys on that report. There's no doubt about it. And I think, you know, but if you're a Steelers fan, you probably – you know, ticked off about Najee Harris, but I mean, he, where is it? How is he going to run? I mean, we saw how Alvin Kamara couldn't run last week with his O line playing crappy. So, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, you're as good as your offensive line is, no matter what you're doing. Um, and so, the the Steelers just haven't been playing well offensively. And we look at the the matchups, and this is why I think the Saints are better off this week. This is a completely different kind of team they're playing. They are second worst in passing defense, which is why I think Andy Dalton is going to have. Now, granted, they've been playing most of the season without T.J. Watt, and so, 
you know, quarterbacks have been roaming free and they've been able to throw all over this defense because their secondary isn't very good. And when you don't have T.J. Watt, you can't get a pass rush. I heard a stat the other the other day. I think they in the two games that Watt played, the Steelers had something along the lines of nine sacks. And in the since he's been gone, they only have seven total. So obviously, it's a big difference. But uh, you look at the Saints' rushing offense, twelfth in the league. That's going down from last week. The, the Steelers are average. They're, they're average at, at running defense. And uh, on the other side of the ball, the Saints defensively match up well against the Steelers. Frankly, anybody matches well against the Steelers, defense against offense, because they're terrible. So it, it's, a, it's a completely different game this week. You cannot judge, just like you couldn't judge the Raiders game going into Ravens, you felt all great as a Saints fan. Here's the chance. And I wanted to believe that. I still took the Ravens. It made more sense logically to me. This is a great matchup for the Saints. You talk about the weather, and if they can get to pick it, and they can, and somebody locks down George Pickens, who I think is going to be an elite NFL receiver, um, they don't have a lot else. Yeah, I'm just worried about who's going to lock him down. You know, I mean, yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, Alante Taylor took some bumps the other night. I mean, he wasn't going against any elite players. That that was my point about my column about the difference in the, the two teams was really a quarterback. I mean. I would argue as, as banged up as the Saints were, uh, Baltimore was in way worse shape offensively. I mean, they were missing their two best running backs, their top receiver, and their all-pro tight end, Mark Andrews. They had number eight. Who scared you? Number eight. And, and, yeah, who scared you? Number eight. <laughs> I mean, That's what I'm saying. You can't stop them. They, they won because they have a great quarterback. We saw Drew Brees do that over and over again during his career. I remember the game where he threw touchdown passes to four undrafted free agents. It's not about the Jimmys and Joes and the receiver and quarter uh, and uh, running back room when you've got an elite quarterback. You can get by when you've got one like that. That's why I think it gets overrated sometimes when people talk about not having Mike Thomas. I don't think Mike Thomas would solve their issues right now. Well, I agree with they that. Got, uh, if they were playing Baltimore and they had Mike Thomas, they still would have gotten skunked. I agree. The uh, limitations at quarterback. So they've got they I mean they had Chris Olave out there he played okay but you see when when you have a limited quarterback uh, it's easy to take a guy like that away and there's just not much there's just not much else for the Saints to hope on right now when they get their running game shut down. I, I know each game is different and each matchup is different but I don't understand Pete Carmichael basically first of all he's abandoned the run way too quickly second of all Taysom Hill was like a ghost I mean some games he he touches the ball 12, 15 times. In other games, he's a ghost. And he was a ghost on Monday night. There was no game plan to use him whatsoever. And I get that they're a good running defense, but you got to find a way to use them. At least try it. And they didn't even try it. Yeah, the Saints, I was not, and I think Pete Carmichael would be the first guy to say they didn't. he didn't call a very good game. I'm not sure it would have mattered, but it, it wasn't very creative. And the lack of Taysom Hill opportunities surprised me. I know they had a few plays where they got behind the chains and that kind of takes him out of the game early. And then they got down. Uh, so this team is not built to come from behind. They're just not. So they, they really, really have aren't. To kind of, yeah. They have to be in this game early. And, and once they fell behind uh, by halftime, it was pretty bleak and they were, they were having to do some things they probably didn't want to do. <clears throat> but uh, there's a lot is, 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 Dennis Allen said the other night, there's a lot of dirty hands in the offensive lack of production. And I think P. Carmichael's part of it, sure. Well, you know, it's 
you say they're not built to come from behind. What's the one game they did come from behind? Atlanta. Who was yeah, playing yeah. quarterback? Just That's saying. Right. Just saying. Um, but this, you know, what, the, what, what is the bigger, bigger problem here is, you know, we kind of touched on in the beginning. But with no cap space, how is this team going to get better in the near future? If it's, let's just say, I don't think, look, this is clearly a must win. And I don't know how many times you can say must win in the same season. But if this is a must win. Uh, they lose this game, go to 3-7. I don't care what anybody else does. They're done. Uh, they're, they're not going to come back with the schedule that, that, that they have. As it is, I'm not sure that even winning this game and winning next week is going to be good enough because, again, the schedule they have coming up at San Francisco, at Philadelphia, at Cleveland with Deshaun Watson is no easy feat. So besides all that, going looking ahead to next year, I mean, they don't have any cap room to bring in a free agent quarterback. They, they don't have – I don't know who they're going to be able to bring in. Well, you just never know in the NFL, though. That's the thing. Things change rapidly in this league. I mean, no one at this time thought Sean Payton wouldn't be back in New Orleans, you know, and uh, you know, Russell Wilson leaving. Things happen in this league. It's, it's a crazy league. Uh, I think that's the hope, and you've got to have a plan to execute it. I mean, the Saints went whole hog for Deshaun Watson last year, and I think we now see why they did that. I mean, they needed, they needed to f- try and find a franchise quarterback in the post-Drew Brees era. Couldn't agree uh, with you like more. Condoning the move, I just understand football-wise why they did it because right now we're seeing it play out in front of our eyes. They don't have a quarterback. And and I don't know, you just don't find those guys. They're hard to get. They really are. That's why I think you could have made a really strong argument about going with Pickett in the draft. And that crescendo is going to keep growing as the season plays out, I fear. You know, I, I thought that when going into the draft. But, I mean, look, they make the decisions. And, you know, I used to say in Peyton we trust and in, in Loomis we trust. And it's true. So, I mean, you have, you have to – not every decision they make is going to be a good one. And some drafts they have – outstanding, unbelievable drafts, and other drafts are just, eh. And that's kind of, I think, what this ended up being, except I think Olave is obviously a, a clear top five potential kind of receiver. And yeah. Trevor Penning, we don't know what he's going to be. I mean, but I think he could be a stalwart at left tackle for a while, again, if he stays healthy. And we may see him before too long as he uh, is eligible to return anytime within the next uh, 21 days. We're going to find out real soon. Um, but it, it's it's... It can be tough to watch, and you can understand that, but just don't put too much on the week before. No, that's a great point. People do that too often. They, they, they don't take into account the, the opponent, and, and that's the most important thing in this league, how you match up. Uh, you know, the Ravens are a, a, a team that the t- Saints have traditionally struggled against. Right. I don't think they're now six two and two. And, I mean, two and six. Two yeah. and six all time against them, and one of those wins was a Justin Tucker missed extra points. So, uh, they they've struggled against them historically. Uh, I, I still think this Pittsburgh team is vulnerable, but I think the Saints are also vulnerable. So I, I can see why this game is almost a pick 'em, and the fact that the Steelers are coming off a bye week, probably had a lot of preparation. The Saints are on a short week. I mean, there's just a lot of factors that I think uh, indicate why maybe Vegas sharps are going with the Steelers. But I'm. I'm I... I will say this, and, I, and it's been noted that there's success. When you have a terrible week, as the Saints had, it's almost good to have a short week because you don't, you don't have time to sit and lament and think about what you did wrong and, and feel sorry for yourself. You just got to go back to work, and that's what the Saints did. And meanwhile, the Steelers had to sit and think about getting their ass kicked by Philadelphia 
the last time they got on the field. And they lost to Miami the week before that. They're two and six. So I think it's the opposite. So I don't know that the bye week actually that was not a good you don't want to go into your bye bye week limping. And really Philadelphia kind of eased up on the Steelers. That could have been I mean, I don't know if you've watched any of that game at all, but that could have been forty nine to thirteen. I mean, well, that, no, look, I would say bad. that, but the Saints roster is banged up, man. So they need every day they can get. And that's that's my main issue with the short week is I don't know. I mean, there were a bunch of guys that didn't practice yesterday. That's the key day of practice. Pete Werner. I mean, I, I, he's he's going to be missing Lattimore. McCoy, missing. Eric McCoy. I mean, uh, you know, no there's a reason that they brought in, uh, you know, Kenny Young, the last former local kid, linebacker. Yeah. You know, we have to have another linebacker now. I mean, <clears throat> they're banged up, man. And I don't know if they're going to get Marshawn Lattimore back. Maybe Jarvis Landry finally gets back. He was kind of close last week. Uh, maybe he gets back and helps out a little bit. But uh, they just they're just missing some key players right now at some key positions. And, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's, there's not a lot there. <laughs> I guess when you get down to the Saints elite players, they don't have very many of them. And, and that's because a lot of them are on the sidelines. All right. We're going to uh, get back to the Saints in just a moment. We're going to wrap up the show with our Saints Steelers predictions. Uh, we got about, I don't know, 12 to 15 minutes remaining here on the show. Let's see. I got one more comment. Uh, move. McCoy to right guard. You're not going to move him anywhere right now because he's hurt. And I would not move McCoy to right guard. That means you want to put Ruiz at center. And I think McCoy is. I I think that's. I, I get it was Ruiz's natural position as well in college, but I, I think McCoy is better off at center. But who knows? I yeah, mean, Ruiz I, has had a, a, a solid. He's year. had a better. He's only had two. He's only had maybe one or two bad. There was there was one game in particular. I can't remember which game it was, but I remember saying how bad he was. But other than that. I think he has been better this year. He's definitely been better. The guy that's been disappointing, well, Pete has not played as well. And we, you know, he's very inconsistent. Ramchek's yeah. been banged up off and on. Yeah. Ramchek's had, had a little bit of a down year, but I think overall graded well. But you're just trying to survive with, uh, you know, James Hurst and Calvin Throckmorton when he comes in there. I mean, you're just. James Hurst has not been good. They're just not, they're not talented enough up front. Uh, there's a big drop off, is the best way to put it, when you start losing. Guys like Trevor Penning and Anders Pete and Eric McCoy, the right. talent level. You're talking about first round draft picks, second round draft picks down to undrafted guys. And, and James Hurst is meant to be a fill in left tackle. He can play right. anywhere on the line. He's not supposed to be your starting left tackle for the season. So, right. I mean, you're more than halfway into the season now. He's been playing. It's not his fault. I mean, that's not really, he's supposed to be able to just do, you know, what he can do. I mean, and he's, and he is, he's doing what he can do, but I mean, he's, he's probably more suited to be on the right side of the line anyway. Well, I mean, basically he's like the Andy Dalton of left tackles, you know, he's probably best suited to be a backup and you're trying to survive at one of the most important positions in the league with a guy. The second most, the second most important position in the league, in my opinion. Right. And Andy Reid has a, Andy Reid has a great, quote years ago that I always tried out about every two or three years. He said, he said, give me a quarterback, a left tackle, an edge rusher, two corners, and I'll figure out the rest. That's really yeah. what it comes down to in the NFL. And that's what he does. Right. I'm, I mean, you look at the receivers that the, the Kansas City Chiefs have now, and they don't have anything remarkable. They got Travis Kelsey, who's a beast, but their running back core is just okay. I mean, right. Clyde Zilaire, okay. Isaiah Pacheco is going to be good. Average. Juju, I mean, he's okay. I mean, Valdez scaling, okay, so what? 
but you got Patrick Mahomes, and I mean, you're solid at left tackle, and you you have your edge rusher. So I mean, he has all that stuff, and he's right. Right. And Those are the critical positions, and the problem right now is the Saints are missing Marshawn Lattimore. You know, they're missing Trevor, Trevor Penning, Penning, and they have no quarterback. You know, so uh, I, I, you know that's that's where this thing stands at the at the most important positions. They're really they don't have the the Jimmys and Joes there. I don't disagree with that. Again. About 11, 12 minutes left in the show. If you want to give your prediction for St. Steelers, we will show it on the air. But I want to spend three or four minutes talking about LSU and three or four minutes talking about the Pelicans, and we will wrap up the show with St. Steelers. And it starts, we go straight to LSU. Hey, we talked about the bad news. Maybe we should have spent more time talking about LSU. That's the good news. They are ranked seventh. Who in their right mind, if you would have said after the Florida State game that at any point in the season, LSU would be ranked seventh, I mean, people would have told you were absolutely bonkers. Yeah, that win, that was an epic game. I mean, epic. I was kicking myself for not being there to cover that game. I was on the fence, didn't go, uh, but that was an all-timer. The decision to go for two, an all-timer by Brian Kelly. Uh, You know, he won't buy a drink or another meal in Baton Rouge for a while. Uh, That was just an unbelievable, dramatic win and confidence builder for LSU and certainly now they're going in the driver's seat in the SEC West. And if they can win out here, they'll be playing Georgia probably in the SEC championship game. No one had that. They were LSU was picked fifth in the SEC West to start yeah. the season. They were twenty-eight to one to win the SEC. Right. Uh, I mean twenty-eight to one. Joe asked, "Do we have a shot against Georgia?" First of all, I got to get there. So hold yeah, your horses. I don't horses. like the shot against Georgia, but uh, but you know. my answer my answer is let's don't put the cart ahead of the horse. But yeah. my answer would probably be no. Um, I think I this game's very dangerous this week. Oh, it's highly. This is, you know, I, I like people that get upset when there's no such thing as a trap game. The hell there isn't. There's this a is huge this, this is trap trap trap. Are you going you going to Fayetteville, Arkansas, where it's going to be about 22 degrees tomorrow morning? Freezing. Uh, and you're playing a team that just got kicked in the mouth by Liberty. Yes. Uh, that's going to be really ticked off. So we'll see if they have anything in them. And LSU is coming off the highest of all possible highs. It's not a good, but that, all that being said, I think LSU is going to win and I think they're going to play well because I said it earlier in the week. I loved what Brian Kelly said about 45 seconds into his interview on ESPN. He started talking about Arkansas already. Yep. Like, we'll, we'll take a day to, to enjoy it. But, you know, Monday morning, it's all about Arkansas. Arkansas doesn't give a damn that you beat Alabama. And no one else gives a damn that you beat Alabama on the football field. And so you can't sit there and feel great about yourself because it doesn't mean jack if you don't go beat Arkansas. That's, that's a great point. And I'm, I have an upcoming column that I'm going to write about this exact subject. And, and hear me out here. Look, I okay. have lived in New Orleans now for – 22 years, 23 years. I have lived most of my adult life in Louisiana. So I love it here. I love it. But let me just say this. One thing I've noticed about the people in Louisiana, it's one one of my favorite things about the people here, is they're very emotional, very up and down, right? Passionate. Oh, there's no question. Passionate. What you don't want in your head coach is a passionate, up and down guy. That was Ed O'Shawn. Ed O'Shawn, I love him. Great guy but very up and down, and as a result, his team was. You see when you have an even-keel guy like a Sean Payton, like a Nick Saban, 
like a Brian Kelly. That's what you want in your head coach. 100%. That's exactly what they've got in Brian Kelly. He's a manager. He's a CEO. And uh, he's got this team, I think, their mental focus in the perfect spot. If they lose Saturday, it won't be because they overlooked Arkansas. They weren't ready. It'll just be because Arkansas is a good team, and it's hard to get up every week at this level and win games. That was the main reason I picked Georgia to beat Tennessee last week and to beat them that way. Tennessee had been gone through a gauntlet. Every week was a big game, it seemed like, whereas Georgia hadn't had any big games. That was their lying-in-wait game. They've been waiting for that moment. It's hard to do, and so I feel like that, that could catch up to LSU a little bit this week, and they could lose, but it won't be because Brian Kelly had his head in the clouds. Joe's asking how about Tulane. We're going to talk about Tulane in just a minute, I promise. Uh, they play tonight against uh, Central Florida. Uh, Joe says that Georgia had a bad showing against Missouri. They look really good against Tennessee, uh, up-and-down team. I don't think they're an up-and-down team. I, I, I think that Georgia is kind of like, remember, Dunk, the, the LSU National Championship season, Burrow and company, they didn't start off all that great. The first half of the season, we just kind of ho-hum, and then it kind of turned on a dime. And it turned, I think, part in part with the Alabama game. And when they beat Alabama, you could just tell they had that look. And, and Georgia kind of the same way last year, although Georgia was a little bit more dominant throughout the season. I don't think Georgia, the rest of the – I really think they're going to win the national championship again. I, I think they're clearly the best team in the, in the country. I think Stetson Bennett is – playing as i mean i, I love the like way the he's playing of college he, exactly that's exactly what i was going to say he looked like he even kind of physically looks like yeah. drew Brees, right Just i mean but he done, has this man. air of show you you talk about coaches that don't get too high or too low Stetson bennett's the same way he he, he carries himself like drew Brees. I, I never would have thought i'd say this after last year in the national championship game and watching this this little guy do his thing but i think this guy could be a real pro I, I agree with you. I think he should definitely be considered for the Heisman Trophy. I, I mean, I don't. I know he doesn't me- have the measurables sometimes. That he's not the prototype NFL quarterback, but the guy's a winner, man. And he played great last week. Uh, I know it's probably going to come down to him and C.J. Stroud at this point. But uh, Stetson Bennett is a big reason why I think they're going to win back-to-back national titles. I mean, that defense is legit. They they knew exactly what. Uh, what they needed to do against Tennessee. Tennessee had no shot. I mean, they just destroyed their offensive line. I mean, it was ugly, and they were missing Nolan Smith in that game. So uh, they're scary. I, I don't see anybody derailing them. I don't like, either. They've had a good schedule, too. They haven't been worn out. Uh, I think their best games are ahead of them. I don't know that anyone matches up well with it. I'm trying to think of teams at the top. I mean, I think the team that probably would give them the best game is probably Ohio State because I think C.J. Stroud is good enough to make something right. happen, and they have a good enough running game to get something going. But I don't think Ohio State can be Georgia. No. I think they would give them a better game than anyone else. But I still think Georgia is head and shoulders above, above better than anyone else. Uh, I mean, Lindsay, it's very similar, J.D. Ohio State would have to be like the Clemson of a few years ago with Deshaun Watson where one player right. carried a team. And C.J. Stroud has the ability to do it, but I agree with you. That's the only team I see. Uh, Lindsey asked, do we think LSU will make it to the national championship uh, to a bowl? Here's the, here's the deal. I mean, first of all, they'd have to they'd have to collapse, like literally collapse not to be playing a New Year's Day bowl. Oh, well, a January 2nd bowl, whatever. Um, so that's where they are right now as far as that goes. I mean, they'd have to lose to Arkansas, probably Arkansas and Texas A&M for that to happen. Yeah. Uh, secondly, 
I do think that if for some miracle of miracles, you, you can't compare Georgia to Alabama because Georgia's head and shoulders better than Alabama. I mean, it's just, it's a fact. Um, but that being said, if they were to run the table and somehow miracle, miracle beat Georgia, I don't think there's any way they can be left out. I, and I know they're a two-win team. They're going to get in because Georgia's going to get in, and you can't not take, you can't take Georgia and not take LSU in that position. So teams like Tennessee and TCU are rooting for LSU to lose and Oregon. They're rooting for LSU to lose at some point because if LSU runs the table and wins the SC championship, they're going to be in the playoff. Right. I think that what will be interesting is if LSU runs the table and then loses to Georgia, I don't know if they get in above Tennessee if Tennessee. Oh, no, no. They won't. If they lose to Georgia, they're not in the playoff. But they'll, right. they'll, they'll, that's not what I mean. I mean, if they run the table and beat Georgia somehow, well, they yeah. can't leave them out. Oh, yeah, they're, they're definitely in. Yeah. They'll so, definitely I mean, be in. They'll be an SEC champion in the Final Four. Yeah, there's, there's no way the SEC champion. Georgia might still make it in. No, Georgia would still make it in, I think, too. Yeah. You, you but, can't I mean, look- it'll be interesting to see. If you got a bunch of unbeaten teams still left, uh, yeah. that, that's, that's why I keep saying it, and I'm so happy that they're going to TCU is going to lose to Texas this week anyway. Yeah, they, they easily could. As a matter of fact, I think they will. But I, I feel like you get a 12-team playoff, it's going to be just about right. I wanted I 16, but I think 12 would be great uh, because then you 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 can slip up. Like Alabama, right. let's face it, Alabama lost that game, but they easily could have won the game Saturday. Right. I mean, the guy drops the pass or something for LSU, and we're in a different world now. So, it, you know, there no one would want to play Alabama in a college football playoff. They just wouldn't. So. 12. 12 teams is acceptable. What we have now is not much better than what we had before. I, I mean, you're, you're completely – and it's funny because we talked about the selection committee. The only reason why LSU was 10th going into last week, there's one reason. They wanted to make Alabama's resume and Tennessee's resume look better than it really was. And so they just figured Alabama would beat LSU. And if they didn't think LSU – if they didn't think Alabama was going to beat LSU, LSU wouldn't have been 10th. And now they were stuck. Now you're stuck with LSU. They don't want a two two loss team having a chance to get in the in there, especially from the SEC. There's already enough talk about how there's bias towards the SEC. So they were stuck now. And now LSU's seventh. And if they run the table and beat Georgia, they're going to be stuck again because they're going to have to put LSU in there. So they kind of screwed themselves, and I think it's hilarious. So a 12 team, 12 team, it's a lot less a uh, lot less chances to a lot fewer chances to screw yourself. And you know. Well, I've always the selection committee doesn't matter as much. My problem with college football has always been it's all it's all based on perception. I mean, there's just everything's money. What level are you on? All this crap like that. Uh, You know, play it on the field and decide. I mean, no one thought LSU would beat Alabama. No one thought they were on their level. That's right. They played the game. We saw how it played. I didn't. I mean, yeah, I'm just saying. you know, everyone everyone looks at Tulane and thinks they're not on the right level. Well, let's see them play somebody, and we'll see if they're on the level. Let let these teams play on the field instead of like being a country club where you where where we're the elites and you're not. That's a bunch of BS. I mean, we've seen that over the years, and and to me, it's only going to hurt college football in the long run if they end up going to this thirty team super league, which is what's probably going to happen. I don't think it's going to be good. I think it's going to. I agree. I would much rather see them reduce scholarships, go down to 70, 75 scholarships, even out the talent level and make it more like a competitive college basketball version. You're never going to get there because football's an arms race. 
but let it be more competitive. I think that makes every everything better about the sport. The NFL is proven. The reason the NFL is such a dominant league and the reason people love it so much is because everyone has a chance. And we see it playing out this year. Who had the New York Giants and New York Jets is going to be good this year? Look at them. They're I had the good. Giants. I didn't have Okay. You know what I'm saying? Everyone thought the Rams and Bucks were going to be great. That's team. right. Yeah. They're terrible. Yeah. You never know. Everyone's got a chance because there's revenue sharing and it, a rising and that's tide they want. Boats. That's what they want. And I agree. I mean, people want to see Appalachian State beat Michigan. Right. People, you know, want to except see Michigan. Except Michigan. <laughs> Michigan doesn't want. That's the thing. <laughs> Everybody's greedy. These, there's so much money involved and there's nobody overseeing it. You're letting the inmates run the asylum and they're all greedy and everybody's got their hand in the cookie jar at the highest level, and they don't want you to join the country club. They don't want Appalachian State to be good. And I mean they being these elite programs, because if they did, they would be more willing to reduce scholarships. And You don't need 85 scholarships in college no. football. Wait it's not just that, though, Dunk. I think that if they think if they went to that Super League kind of thing that it would weaken the SEC schools a little bit. They're just sick. They're, they're jealous. I mean, you talk about the Big Ten, the Pac-12, 12 and the, and the big 12 and all they're they're let's face it they're, they're sick of getting their ass kicked by the sec it's not that's never going to change anytime soon at least not anytime soon i mean it's just a fact uh, that the, the and it's because i think that you look at where the talent is in football in high school and from texas to the east coast you know you don't have to go north of arkansas and you just take that little quadrant uh, that little section of the country and that that Talent is better by far than anywhere else in the country. And you can take Texas out of the mix if you want. I mean, I, I've been saying for years, the, the high school talent in Louisiana is as good as any state in the nation. And you see it year after year. You can watch it in the NFL. I mean, to me, who are two of the best receivers in the NFL? Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. Not only were they on the same team, but one went to Rumble and one went to Destrahan. I mean, it, and, it, and they... Two teams that didn't even throw the ball all that much in, in high school. They weren't even that, you know, so you couldn't have known that they were going to be as good as they were. But that's the kind of talent that's down here. No, there's no doubt. And, and that's irrelevant to me, though. It's more about the money and the, and the TV. Money, money, branding. money. TV's running the show. Yeah. And TV wants brands. They want to sell ads to high-profile programs. And so everyone is basically giving up college football for the greater good of ESPN and CBS. And it's, it's me, maybe I'm being old school and naive here, but I'd like to see it be more of a collegiate model where you compete with I each other. I agree with you. This is not about, this is about programming is what's going on. Oh, and that's one good thing. And people don't ever like to defend Roger Goodell, but Roger Goodell is a, is a, one of the most brilliant genius business minds you're ever going to see. And he knew how to turn the NFL, I mean, even take it from where it was. And I think that he, he realizes that it's way better if you have more parity in your league. And that's what he's done. I mean, you got your superstars, and that's great. But he, he does a really good job of making sure you don't have a Pittsburgh Pirates in, in the NFL. You don't have a Kansas City Royals in the NFL. It doesn't happen. Because he, he makes sure, I mean, the only reason why teams run themselves in the ground year after year is because they have bad leadership. It's not Goodell's fault. He tries to make give them a chance. They just don't know how to run with it. I just, I just don't think in America we should be, and especially in collegiate sports, we should be in the business of putting, you know, 
glass ceilings on on programs and, and yeah. people. Uh, I, I think back, look, my formative years growing up in Louisville, I remember Florida State was an independent. Uh, Bobby Bowden took that job, and he built them into a national power. I mean, one of my first big jobs at the time speaking was covering the national championship game where they beat Mike Vick and Virginia Tech in the Superdome. Uh, you know, he built that program. At that time, Florida State was the best program in college football, and he built it because they went on the road, they played everybody, and they made, basically made themselves into a power the hard way by taking their lumps. They won a bunch of those games. They beat, I think they beat LSU and Baton Rouge, but they had to go on the road and then they became accepted by the power elite. That's right. You can't do that now, Jim. It's impossible to build a program because the elite programs don't want to come any other people in the country club. They don't right. want another Florida state. That's right. They want it all for themselves. And I don't think that's, how America should work. I mean, look at what Gonzaga has done in basketball. I know it's easier to do it in basketball, but they built a national power and there's no restrictions in basketball like there is in football. Uh, there's these artificial restrictions and limitations in, in, in college football because uh, of all the things that are built to make the, the elite schools even more elite. Speaking of teams that you're talking about right now, and I don't have a banner for them, so we're just going to leave the LSU banner on, but the Tulane Greenway fit in that model. Yep. I mean, who would want to play Tulane right now? I wouldn't, uh, which is why LSU doesn't play them anymore, which is kind of crappy, by the way. They should be playing every year, in my opinion. Georgia still plays Georgia Tech every year. LSU should be playing Tulane. Um, but, you know, Tulane playing UCF, this is kind of a interesting spot, but you keep thinking that Tulane's going to fall at some point, and then they don't. So uh, other than USM, no one's really tripped them up. And, uh, you know, I think they – find a way to win this game tonight and setting up a showdown with Cincinnati coming up. Well, let me correct you real quick. It's tomorrow. It's 2.30. Oh, okay. It's tomorrow. I don't know why I thought it was tonight. Yeah. I think they got a game coming up on th- on a Friday. But this okay. game, yes, it's going to be at Yuleman. It's going to be sold out. That's right. Okay. thousand fans there. It'll be cold, too, isn't it? National TV, yes. Uh, this is the first time in 70-something years that Tulane, is, as a top 25 team, has hosted – a top 25 team. So wow. that just tells you how long, 1949 when they played LSU, when back when they were in the SEC. So it's been a while. And this, I think it's safe. That was even before we were born, Don. I know. It's <laughs> safe to say this is the biggest game in Yuleman Stadium history. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And, uh, you know, they tried to get college game day here. They almost came. They ended up going to, I think they're going to Austin for the TCU-Texas game instead. But they were on the radar and so regardless of what happens the rest of the way, I wrote my column today about this, uh, what Willie Fritz has done to make the program relevant, to bring them to this unprecedented level, first time they've been this relevant nationally since 1998. Yep. Uh, it's been remarkable. And he's done it by, you know, there's been nothing shortcut. There's no magical formula, pixie dust. I mean, he's done it the hard way, brick by brick. He's got a really good staff, and they are very discerning and shrewd in the recruiting they get guys that fit their system, these three stars that they can develop, and uh, they know what they're doing out there on, on Willow Street. And I don't think this is going to drop off anytime soon. I think they're going to be good for a while now, the way they built this thing. Real quick, does Tulane beat UCF? Yes, I think the train's rolling right now. Uh, but I do agree with Michael Pratt. He thinks it's going to be a shootout. And, and I know Tulane's defense has been good, but I, I kind of tend to agree. And I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Zell should beat Arkansas. 
Yes, yes. I think they cover the spread in that game. I agree. I think it's dangerous, I, man. Dangerous. It is game. dangerous. I, will, I I don't know that I'm going to bet it, um, but I do like LSU. That's more of a live line thing. Um, I yeah. think LSU has been one of those teams that's actually been fairly easy to bet on the live line because I think how they play early is how they're going to play late. So if you, except for the Auburn game, which to me, even in an Auburn game, some fluky things happen, you could see that LSU was the better team. I, I made I made a little bit of money, waited to the, for the right time, and got LSU. I think at plus three twenty or something like that. You could it's see like that LSU. Basically, it's mean, like the stock market. It is. I mean, and LSU is a good live team to bet. So I would wait to bet LSU and see how they come out. If they do come out flat, maybe stay off of it. But if they come out and start fast, it's okay if you, you know, they're minus three. It's okay if it goes to minus five or minus six, if they look good. Because if they look good, they're, they're going to blow the doors off of Arkansas, I think. We'll, we'll find that. All right. Uh, moving on, before we go back to the Saints and give our predictions for that, I want to briefly touch on the Pelicans who have had a weird run. They have had no favors done to them by the schedule makers, though, I will say. You go and play. You go. You come off of this giant road trip. I mean, were they six out of seven on the road or seven out of eight or something? The NBA did them no favors by you come off that road trip and then you got to come home and play right the day after you play the Bulls in a physical, tough, really tough matchup in which the Pels did a good job of coming back. So I think last night was kind of easy to predict that they wouldn't fare as well against the Blazers. Man, um, you, you're weak. You're weak. You're so, so, man. I'm weak. I'm soft. Well, uh, the, the Trailblazers were on a uh, back-to-back, and they also benched like four of their starters. They played. But the problem four. is that when you saw that line that was only, I think the Pels were minus five, that told me something there. They didn't, I mean, the Pels should have been about a nine or ten-point favorite. No Dame Lillard, no Kelton Johnson. It's still. I mean, there's it's, no excuse. I, I'm, I'm not I'm giving not, them excuses to, to lose. Making excuses. For no, 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 no. I'm not. No excuse I'm, for that. I'm, lo- I'm thinking of a, from a betting perspective. I, well, I really okay. am. From which a betting is, perspective, which is, which is how my mind works. It's, it's not. I'm not giving them any any. Yeah, they're I mean, six and six. They ought to be. Gotta get it together, man. I mean, they got to get it together. They, they, they need someone between Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. It's got to be one of those two dudes. Has to step up and take this team by the throat. It's got to be one of those two young stars. And I don't know which one's going to be. I think it's probably going to be Zion. I don't think it's in B.I.'s uh, DNA to be that alpha. But it's going to happen. Uh, one of those two guys has got to do it. C.J. McCollum isn't that guy at this stage of his career. He's a great OG, as they say. Uh, he's a great guy for the locker room. But he's not the best player on the court. It's got to be one of these two young studs. And somebody's got to do it because they're too lackadaisical. Their mindset is – too up and down. They, they have too much, too many lapses. They just don't have enough dog in them, and, and they yeah. got to get that, uh, or else it's going to be a, another 500 season. A long homestand coming up, so they have to figure things out. At least they get a day off. They play the lowly Rockets. So I mean, they can't. You can't lose that one. You cannot lose the Houston at home. Two and ten Rockets. You got to find a way to win that one. And that sets up for a showdown. You get a couple days off before you got to play the Grizzlies, who I think are one of the best teams in the NBA. Right. Got to beat the Rockets, get right, and then uh, have that big game against Memphis. I agree with you. Look, they can turn around. It's a long season, but this has been a, there's no way to sugarcoat. It's been a disappointing start. All right, we have run long. Jim Derry and Jeff Duncan here on our Friday Datitude session. We do it every Friday at 9.15. We did it at 9.45 this week, but that is a rare case. So every Friday from 9.15, usually till about 10, 10.15, just kind of depends on – we got on kind of a heated discussion. Well, not Duncan and I, me and the, and the listeners – I think got into a heated debate about 
the whole quarterback situation. I'll, I'll tell you something, Dunk. For the first time, maybe uh, it probably has happened before, but I don't remember it happened. I got multiple emails this week about my podcast from Tuesday and going on basically saying the same thing I said here this afternoon or this morning. They were telling me how right I was. I'm not used to shocking. I'm not used to emails telling me I'm right. I'm used to hate mail. So I didn't even know how to respond. It took me probably 20 minutes of staring at the screen. I'm like, is this guy serious or is he just trolling me? And I could and then I realized they were they were serious. The emails that I got, they were all serious. Well, you see how passionate people are. And and right now in times That's like good this, I've found people just want they want to know what's going on, what's wrong, they want solutions. Why yeah. has it gone wrong? That's what people care about, and, and rightfully so, because this team's been good a long time, and they're not very good right now. You're right, Joe. It, it is unbelievable. I still, I mean, I, that's why I think somebody, maybe they were trolling me, and they're just trying to make me feel. Maybe it was my wife from a different account, knowing that I've had a, a rough couple of weeks. Maybe, I don't know what it was, but whatever. I'll, ta- I'll take it. And you're more than welcome to send me uh, hate mail, love mail, whatever kind of mail you want to send me at jderryattheadvocate.com, on Twitter, at Jim Derry Jr. Again, we do this every Friday. And at, at the end of every show on Friday, assuming the Saints play on Sunday, as they do this week, we will give our predictions. And it's that time of the show. Saints Steelers. Jeff Duncan, I think I know what you're going to say, but say it anyway. Yeah, I got the Steelers winning this one. Uh, I think it's going to be a higher scoring game than what we're seeing uh, on the betting line. But I think uh, Kenny Pickett has his breakout game, unfortunately. And the Steelers win this one in a, in a close contest down to the fourth quarter. Okay. Well, he's, I also I tell you what I do agree with you. I think it's definitely over the 40. I don't get that 40 at all. I know these teams have not played all that well. But to be honest, they haven't played well because their defenses right. at times haven't played all that well. So I don't necessarily think the offenses lack anything. I agree that it's going to be an over 40 game for sure. I think the Saints win this game. Um, they, like I said, they match up well. If you look at the numbers, I get that TJ Watt is coming back and, or most likely coming back. It's not, not definite. I don't think, um, but he's not going to just jump in there and be the TJ Watt of old. And like I said, it's all about matchups. You're going to see a lot of Camara. I think the fact that you didn't see Taysom Hill last week means you're going to see a lot of Taysom Hill this week, uh, which is a good thing. And I think that Andy Dalton actually will have a better game than he – well, I mean, it's hard to not have a better game than he had last week. But I think he's going to have a decent game. And then you'll have the the geniuses coming out of their holes. They'll be crawling out of the holes. See, I told you how much better he is than Jameis Winston. It, it'll, it'll, it'll be – Let it go. Hard. Let it go, J.D. I can't. You know me. I can't let, let things go. go. I'm, try, I'm trying. Chris says uh, he thinks the Saints – you're going to win the division and make it to the NFC Championship. I want what you had for breakfast, Chris. <laughs> Send some of it to me. Email me and tell me where you got it, and, and we'll all have one big old party. Um, so I think the Saints win. I actually think they win by, like, 10. Um, but, again, I think it's going to be a higher-scoring game. I'll say 30 to 20. How about that? I got I'm with you. On the, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Are you going to Pittsburgh? I am not. I'll be at Tulane tomorrow and uh, watching from the Duncan, the Casa Duncan couch. All right. Well, I'm, uh, I'm going to, my wife is on a cruise. She won a cruise through work. So I'm stuck here at home working and being dad. Tomorrow's the day, tomorrow night. I'm good thing. Oh, she's playing in the morning because tomorrow night's the daddy daughter dance 
Can't miss that. Nice. Uh, so that's that's my weekend. And then actually, it's been a while since I think I've just been able to sit in front of a TV on Sunday and watch football. So that that'll be fun. So let's see. We'll see how it goes. I will see you next Friday, my friend. Enjoy the Tulane game. All right, bud. Talk to you then. Jeff Duncan is usually the voice of reason. And I think, frankly, he is there. Even though I don't agree with his prediction about the Saints and Steelers. You know, whenever you get fired up about something, just have Jeff Duncan around. He'll calm you down in a hurry. Um, and, and, you know, he tried to. I just sometimes I get a little fired up. Like I said, I don't mind if you disagree. In fact, not only do I not mind, please, by all means, share your disagreements. But when you don't give me a reason other than Winston sucks, which is basically what I'm hearing, how do you know? Don't tell me Winston sucks. Andy Dalton sucks. Let's let's find out what we have. I mean, let him play. If they end up five and twelve or six and eleven, then so what? They're going to end up five and twelve or six and eleven if he doesn't play. But don't you get tired of watching the same thing over and over again? That's my question. I know I do. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm in the minority. But I think it's funny because this week I got some, like I said, I got some emails, those positive emails. That doesn't happen a lot. Where I get multi, every now and then I'll get one that's nice. But most times when people email me and you email, email someone that you listen to, you don't know, never met, um, you don't realize it's a real person on the other end. You just say, you're an idiot, blah, 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 blah. And then when you email them back and they, it hits people that they're really type into a real live human being, like, oh, well, I didn't mean such and such. That's what usually happens. Or no, sometimes you get hard-headed, stubborn guys too. And I don't get in wars with those people, but... That's what my job is about in part. I, I enjoy dealing with the public, and it's, it's part of what I've done throughout my career at different parts. I mean, look, I didn't like being on a copy desk. I mean, don't get me wrong. I absolutely adored the people that I worked with for the 12 or 13 years that I spent on a copy desk. Um, and the relationships that I made, they were like my family for that long because you spend five nights a week with the same people. In fact, you'd spend as much time with them as you spent with your own family. But you don't get a chance to deal with the public all that much. And even now, being a sports betting writer and not being able to talk to my coaches and players as much as I did before, um, it's kind of a downer sometimes. And when I'm talking to people, I'm talking to you through this microphone, and I don't often get to hear back from you, which is why I appreciate the comments and questions that we do get, even if I do want to bang my head against the wall. But you know what we can all do together? We can all keep dreaming on. Because you never know. Maybe the Saints will play really well like they did two weeks ago. Maybe there'll be new life in the Maybe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will lose. And who cares? If you're four and six and the the other two best teams in the division are four and six, you know what? You got new life. You can dream on. You can think that, that something can be made of this season. That's the only way you're gonna think about it. And you got LSU Arkansas, you got Tulane. There's lots of things to be dreaming about here in Louisiana. So let's dream with them. And that's our song of the day. We hope you have a wonderful weekend going forward, whether it's watching football, whether it's time, spending time with your family, whether it's a combination of all those things. Thanksgiving's on the horizon. 
Um, today is Veterans Day. You know, the most special veteran in my life is my father, who just turned 80 years old a couple months ago. And um, we thank all of you veterans for your service. Enjoy yourselves this weekend because you have earned the right to do that. And take a little break. And we will see you on Monday. Bundle up, boys and girls. It's supposed to get cold this weekend. And if you're in the mood for prep football, you can catch me on VSN covering Helen Cox and St. Michael tonight in the first round of the playoffs. It should be fun. Talk to you on Monday as we wrap it all up in one tiny bow. And who knows, maybe we'll talk to D-Squared and get his take on everything. Talk to you Monday. Peace and love, my friends. Sing.